The Koi Gig Pod. I'm laughing because I was listening to a conversation that the City Girls were having and they were just going on about this throw-in. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's our weapon in the World Cup. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM with Gillette in association with Movember. Effortless shave, magnificent mode. We're turning to a new book. It's called Why Not a Warrior? And it's the story of Gemma O'Connor, Cork Camogie legend, who is with us now. Gemma, good morning to you. How are you? Morning. I'm good. Good. What's the bit where you write the book, you put it in the shops, you tell everybody about it, and then you start talking about it again? What's this bit like where you're like, you have to revisit all the stuff that you've written, like probably four or five months ago at this stage? Um, yeah, look, to be honest, um, it was fairly... I think it was fairly difficult to get my head around when I was approached to do the book. Um, it was something that I wasn't overly eager to do. I suppose you have to talk about everything. You have to put your trust in somebody that you've kind of that you don't really know, and you have to tell every story. And then what you know, you kind of decide what what goes into the book. And um, you know, I'd be honest, the book isn't there to to bad mouth or to go and relive any kind of bad memories or anything like that. It's probably trying to portray the best image of of the sport, my life, um, obviously experiences along the way. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it, it was pretty interesting. Um, it was good to relive some of the memories, some of the sporting memories and stuff like that. And, um, you know, I suppose that's what I probably found the most interesting about it. Um, yeah, so the, the book is out. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's not just for people involved in Camogie sport. I suppose it's, uh, it wasn't uh, my personal life. It's, it's, it's probably about life in general, really, like, you know. It's funny, Gemma, because we had Paulie Mara on the show this week and, and he was talking about writing the book and he never actually thought about writing the book and it wasn't something he considered or even wanted to do, but uh, Michael Moynihan had approached him and asked him if, if, he'd, if he'd do it. And once he'd done it, he found the process cathartic and, and quite uh, rewarding. Like, Was it something similar for yourself that you got to maybe draw a line under some things and, and remember good times and bad times and, and almost like a therapy process? Yeah, look, I suppose in terms of the whole GA world, I see myself as kind of a small fish in the pan, really, and... When I retired, I suppose I just thought maybe you just fade back into the background. Um, when you're kind of gone from the inter-county scene, you kind of feel like that's it, you're gone. But when you're approached, approached to them and put it down into a book, put you know, um, words onto paper, it's kind of a bit different. But um, yeah, look, I did enjoy it. If I was being that, if I if I'd been honest, I suppose there was times where I kind of felt like um, you know maybe I didn't want to do it. Would I pull out of it? Maybe I'm putting too much out there. Um, but yeah, look, I, I did certainly enjoy it, and um, you know, I've only got all positive, positive feedback really back. You know, so it's been a it's been a good journey. Which bits did you not want out there? Sorry. Which bits were you thinking? This is too much. Um, it's it, it's not even anything in particular. Well, obviously, it goes into my personal life and stuff, and I suppose there's a fine line there between um, keeping stuff private and then putting stuff out there um, but anything that's really there I suppose a lot of people would know already um, obviously people that don't know me or don't know me personally might not might not, not know those stories but um, like I said I suppose you know um, it's not like you're this big massive celebrity and you're there trying to sell books uh, and and create a story you know you're just like anybody else and I suppose you know delving into your private life is um, is quite personal so um yeah, I suppose that was probably the thing that um, maybe I was a bit reluctant about. Yeah, because it's not your story alone. It's the story of all of the people in your life who you're then putting down in print and going, uh, by the way, I've I've told a lot of people who we don't know uh, stories about, like, um, us. Are you okay with that? 
stories about which you were telling you have to tell stories about your relationship and you're like you're, you have to go oh. out and say listen I've, uh, I've, I'm not sure I got your permission for this but I did it anyway yeah it's um, yeah I looked at one or two people I was like you know is it okay to talk about this or you know um, so yeah it's kind of it's, it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting journey really like you know when you talk Gemma even about the, the outset of your career in the book like uh, making that debut against was it Tipperary in 2002 like you're only maybe 17 years of age at that time like did you ever foresee that there'd be a career with 14 All-Ireland finals ahead and, and so much success um, I don't I, you know anybody that starts off playing sport and has the you know the honour the opportunity to play at a county level or you know if you're playing soccer or anything at an international level or whatever it is you don't really see what the future may hold you might know you might hold a certain kind of set of skills or talent or that might you know might put you on a platform or a pedestal to to kind of to to be in position to 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 get to an Ireland finals and and to wear the jersey year after year but you certainly don't really think that you know you're going to achieve what 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 you what you've achieved so like i suppose when i t- started out in 2002 as a 17 year old playing um against Tipperary i definitely didn't envisage um what was to come later down the line all i knew was i wanted to play Camogie. i knew it, i had a bit of talent and i knew i wanted to work hard for it and then you know whatever came came but um that's just that's just the the reality of it really and a record 11 all stars which which isn't bad <laughs> yeah um, it's uh, I suppose look it's nice to get individual accolades you know when you play in a team sport it's all about the team it's all about obviously the individual working to the best that they can and then when everybody does that it makes for you know a, a very successful team but um, I suppose at the end of it when you know the hurlies are down when the boots are off and there's um, individual accolades. It's nice to be recognised. And, um, you know, I've been very lucky um, to receive those awards. Uh, the um, decision to write the book and then to go through that process of it, right? What was the bit that you felt like was going to be the most compelling element of your story that you did want to share? Um, I suppose, you know, when we were doing the book and I was talking to... Um, Sinead Farad who wrote the book and talking to Liam Hayes uh, Hero Books the publisher for Hero Books I suppose you know I suppose the obvious thing as well is you know talking about your sexuality and stuff like that and I've no issue talking about my sexuality I've been always very open about it something that's just a part of me it's who I am never really saw it as something that I had to you know scream at the top of my lungs about it was just always it's like anybody else, you know, it's anybody, you know, whether you're straight, um, you're, you, whether, you, you know, if you're in a heterosexual relationship, it's just who you are. And that's the way I always viewed about it. But I suppose it's very different than to talk about it and put it down on the book. Um, and I suppose, you know, that's the fine line, I suppose, about your private life by keeping things personal and about putting it out there. But I suppose when we all sat down and, and spoke about it, you know, I suppose you could be very selfish in, in the way that you might say, look, I don't want to do the book because I don't want to talk about things. But I suppose if by me talking about my sexuality and my experiences might help one or two people out there, you know, that are struggling to come out, um, you know, having difficulties with family or friends or people um, that they play with or they just, you know, can't realise 
basically, you know, that it's it's okay to be who you are. Um, I suppose that's probably the reason why I did speak about it. Um, because it's very easy just to close off and uh, say, look, I'm not comfortable talking about that. But look, you know, I suppose if I helps one or two people out there, then I suppose I, I, I've gained something in that. Did you have somebody out there who you were looking up to when you were a kid that you could actually say, okay, somebody has done this before? Because there's, there's an extract of the book that um, you kind of talk about, well, you didn't formally come out, people kind of just knew, your family just kind of knew. It wasn't a, a, like a, there wasn't a formal kind of process for you, um, which suggests that you grew up in a really great environment, to be honest. That's the, the first thing that struck me reading that. Yeah, um, look, I've been very lucky, you know, for my family. Um, look, you know, it's not all plain sailing either. It's really, you know, it's not it's not easy by no means. But um, but for the majority of everybody in my family, it's been, um, you know, very accepting. Um, you talk about somebody that I looked up to in terms of maybe my sexuality and stuff like that, realizing who I was, maybe that was okay. My uncle, John, my mum's brother, um, you know, he, he's gay and my grandparents are always very accepting you know people that came from that were born in the 20s and 30s never questioned his sexuality which I really kind of looked up to and they just accepted him for who he was and it was kind of the same for me um, a bit you know in, in terms of that and that's the kind of approach that I took you know it's um, it's something that I kind of wanted to go about in a way you know rather than you know saying oh I'm this I'm that I'm just like but this is who I am and this is my partner this is you know it's just a part of life um, and look I'll be honest there was obviously very difficult things along the way but um, generally speaking yeah I've been very lucky enough in terms of my family we spoke, Gemma, to Ashling Mara on the show this week and, and she was talking about the, the the survey earlier this year. It was a news talk survey in conjunction with the GPA where um, 714 respondents, so 69% of female players surveyed were aware of a player currently out within their squad. It dropped to just 10% of awareness for male players and she spoke mm-hmm. about being surprised that it was even as high as, as 10%. Like, do you think there's something within the, the GEA culture or even the pub culture that surrounds it that maybe discourages players to coming out, especially in the male game? Yeah, look, I, I think I, I spoke about that. Um, it's, look, as I said, it's not easy for anybody, male or female. Um, but I suppose there's a, a perception out there that the shock factor is less when women in sport come out. Um, I suppose, you know, if you're, play, you're playing sport, you're, you know, some bit, bit of a tomboyish um, character or the, a tomboyish element to it. And look, don't get me wrong, there's probably, more, you know, there's, there's more straight people, female straight people that I know than, than, um, than gay people out there. Um, but, that, you know, I suppose that, that perception for females in sport is that shock factor is less. In terms of men, um, and I suppose this is probably repeated time and time again, um, you know, men, there's a lot of pressure on men to portray a certain way, you know, to be that alpha male, um, to, you know, play a sport where it's very physical, like hurling and football, you know, especially in the GA culture, um, and, and, and unlike any other sport around the world, you know, rugby, soccer, whatever, but, you know, just in terms of the GA, that what we know, um, you know, it's a manly sport, that's the way it's portrayed. And, you know, the, the pop culture then kind of, um, highlights that or it's uh it's boosted by that by by the egos and by the uh, by the fans of how people are supposed to to act and portray themselves and um as well that's the certain that's probably the thing that i probably don't like about it um and 
as I said, it's not that you want people to come out and say, oh, this is who I am. I mean, again, there's a certain part of your life that you, you can be private about and, you know, nobody can deny that. So if there are male um, sports people out there in the GA that are gay, you know, you don't necessarily have to go up and wave your hand and say, look, this is, I'm gay and I'm proud and, and all that. But it's um, it's a lot harder for for male athletes to come out because of those reasons, you know. It must be rewarding, though, for you, Gemma, when you see him. You, you spoke about this in the book as well, you know, even after your wedding, getting messages, you know, from, from people on Instagram, you know, saying that you're, you're, you know, thank you for being you and you've helped me, you know, come out or, or uh, I guess, speak to family about issues like this. So that must be quite rewarding when you when you get messages like that. Yeah, like, uh, you know, I suppose when, I, when we're getting ready to get married and stuff like that, and, you know, my relationship's not... I don't really see anything different about it. No, it's, I'm, I'm just so used to it, I suppose. But I suppose we forget about people out there and I suppose people um, take for granted that, you know, we still live in a, in a society that still thinks that, you know, these type of relationships aren't the norm. And while we're very lucky to live in a country like Ireland, I suppose there's still people out there that find it hard to come out. And, you know, out of the blue, I got a few messages just to say, oh, you know, thank you for for you know putting yourself out there or you know thank you for me you've really helped my me along the way and you know and you know i don't know these people and yeah it, it was really nice to hear that you know to know that i've probably helped one or two people along the way and i suppose that's probably one of the reasons why you know those chapters were put into the book is to do that to give um you know some a young girl a, a young boy not necessarily young people in their 20s 30s that are watching this you know you have to remember too that there's a lot of people out there that probably might never come out so um it's um yeah it's it's interesting i suppose this is it, this is all about helping people really it is interesting right because like ideally we'd never have to have these conversations and it wouldn't be a big thing at all but then and you think of the progress that we've made as a society from like uh, the decriminalization of homosexuality in 1993 to marriage equality, which, you know, uh, also in retrospect, like, why do we all have to have a vote about that? Why don't we just put it anyway? But then there's that clown in Listowel last week coming out saying what he's saying, and all of a sudden, loads of people feel kind of, oh, well, actually, you know what? Uh, uh, there are, there's, a, 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 there's definitely a, a congregation, and I don't mean specifically in Listowel, but there is a congregation of people who still share those uh, dinosaur views. And unfortunately, we do still need to have these conversations and that's why I think your book is going to be important for people to read and kind of for you just to talk about this normality because like that's exactly what it is yeah it's um, you know the, <laughs> what that priest said was you know it's people might seem shocked or you know about it that you know <laughs> I suppose especially we, li- we live in a society too where if you look if you f- the flip side of it over is you know the whole freedom of speech thing and, you know, people are entitled to say what they say and but when they do, um, you know, people get picked up on it and there's a fine line between it all. But I suppose when you're, when you're sending a message to the community about love and respect and about, um, I suppose, Christianity is about accepting people no matter what. But, uh, you know, it's um, it's a difficult one to, to kind of understand. Um, but, yeah, look, I think there are people, unfortunately, out there um, that don't understand it and I think that's okay too I think people have to realise look there are people out there people that the older generation maybe um, and obviously the people is you know modern 
mindset people too still have it that might not understand it and I think we have to portray the fact that that's okay too I suppose the important message in this is that you know if you know anybody that's gay or you have a son or daughter or a cousin or an aunt or an uncle or whatever what, what it is that okay, it's okay maybe not to understand it but it's so I suppose the important message is to say look you know I still love you um, you know you know, we can talk about things and maybe I don't understand it or maybe I don't fully accept it. But, you know, I suppose the whole key in it is communication and just, you know, not um, abandoning people or um, kind of, you know, I suppose um, isolating people, you know, and it's about, it's about communication and it's about understanding and it's about, you know, listening to people. And that's probably the key message in um, all of that, you know? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, the- ultimate key message I think people will definitely take away from the book one last thing so you've obviously been involved in Camogie all your life Uh, is there a plan into the future to get into coaching and management is that in your future do you think Um, certainly Um, I suppose since Covid I suppose Covid really was probably the finite time really for me to retire Um, that kind of pushed the questions of me which I had um probably a while back um about retirement and I suppose COVID just kind of finished that for me um didn't really have the the support systems or the structures around you know you kind of have to do everything yourself and when you get older you kind of need you know you need a physio you need a rehab you need people by your side to do things and I kind of finished that and then I suppose I took a break and getting married was a, was a, a priority because I spent all my life just giving the time to Camogie and nothing for myself or um, to Aoife, to, to my partner or to whoever, like, you know. So it was always about my time in Camogie. And then um, I was doubtful about going back playing club, um, but I back, you know, I went back playing club and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, the time... The time is ticked by and it's certainly something that I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to getting into in the future. I just think I need to take a bit of time just to um, to enjoy life for maybe the next year, two years. And then I'd love to get stuck back into club coaching um, and hopefully into county, get involved at some level. Um, you know, just because you finish playing Camogie doesn't mean you have to close the door completely. So, um, yeah, I definitely would love to get back into it. Uh, Jimmy, you're a member of the Defence Forces as well, and, and I know even uh, I remember when you, you retired. I was reading a piece the other day. Claire Spellman, the, the Galway player, was talking about coming across you at, at Collins Barracks. Um, like, there th- seems to be a lot of transferable skills there between you know being in a camogie team and being in a in a, in a unit on the in the Defence Forces. Like the, the camaraderie and teamwork, you've been around that your entire life. It it seems to be something that's quite transferable. Yeah, it's um, it's. Look, I suppose every organisation um, has has good things and bad things about it. But you know, my my experience with the defence forces has been nothing but positive, really. And um, you know, I, I joined the defence forces because I wanted you know something different, um, an outdoor lifestyle, and I knew what the defence forces had an offer. The same thing, you know, teamwork, camaraderie, um, you know, loyalty, commitment, and all that. And when you're there, you know it's it's like playing it's like playing sport. When you're in that environment, it's a team environment. You don't do anything necessarily by yourself. Of course, there's you know everyone has a specific role or a job, but you're working with people the whole time. 
um, whether it's in barracks, whether you're in a training environment, whether you're overseas, you know, you need people around you. And without that teamwork or that camaraderie, it doesn't work. If it fails, and it's the very same then on the pitch with Camogie, you know, in sport, it's all transferable. So um, they go they certainly go hand in hand. And um, I've been very fortunate to experience both. And I, I think it's kind of, you know, it stood by me um, and it's uh, it's something I would definitely recommend to people that have any interest in the outdoors life and sport you know you can play sport in defence forces as well you know there's um, a massive uh, drive for that there so um, yeah look it's uh, it's those characteristics definitely go hand in hand and I, I, I've only gained nothing but um, but positivity from it and uh, it's uh it's definitely uh, a good career to take. Uh, one last one, sorry. Uh, where did the name of the book, Why Not a Warrior, where did that come from? Um, well, it was kind of something that um, Liam and Sinead kind of thought up of. And um, I suppose they just looked at my whole life, my life experiences and, you know, being uh, being a camogie player, intercounty camogie player for so long, the experiences that I went through, I suppose, you know, in terms of my sexuality, my, um, you know, you talk about um, your home life, you know, the people that you've lost, um, my experiences in the army, and they put all that together, and I suppose that's what they came up with, you know, and that's where the, the that that um, that title came from. So, you know, they asked me, was I was I okay with that? I said, look, I, I trust you. You're the people. You're the experts. So, um, you know, I suppose that's that's. That's why he was chosen by not a warrior. Well, listen, we wish you the very best of luck with it. Thanks a million for joining us this morning. Cheers. Appreciate it. OTB AM with Gillette in association with Movember. Effortless shave, magnificent mode.